0: Welcome to the Holy City Church Podcast Station. This is Pastor Angel. If you missed Sunday's sermon or want to listen to it again, you're in the right place. We're glad that you can take the time to catch up as we go through God's Word together. I hope you're ready. If you're not, grab your Bible. Let's get ready for what God has in store for us today. So we're going to continue. We're going to look at the last chapter of 1 John. We're going to look at chapter 5. We're going to specifically focus on verses 1 through 5. So join me there. And as soon as you find it, go ahead and stand with me and we'll read it. 1 John chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 1 through 5. I made an attempt to do more than just that, but... I couldn't get past verse 5. So we're going to continue the rest on Bible study. If not, we would have not left today. So let's go ahead and read this. Uh, it says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born, born of him. By this we know that we love the ch- ch- the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who, who it is that overcomes the world, except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Father, thank you for everything you've done for us, Father. Thank you for allowing us to be here, to be able to listen to your word, to be able to worship you, Father. Lord, as we continue, we just I just pray that you soften our hearts and open our minds, Father, and convict us with your word. Not only that, Father, give us hope with it, Lord. Uh, we pray that whatever words that are said are yours and are mine, and in your name we pray. when we read the uh, when we read John's letters for the most part if you read the gospel of, uh, of John and we read these epistles we can see that John uh, tries and when he writes he, he does it with an evangelistic purpose uh, and ultimately his purpose of writing is to draw people to Jesus that's his ultimate goal and that's always been the goal of going through the epistles is uh, looking at what he wrote and drawing closer to Christ. Now, the only difference when we look at the Gospels versus when we look at the Epistles is the audience. We see that the audience in the Epistles are those who already believe in Christ. So we're not talking about those who are are non-believers. specifically focus on those who already have faith. And the reason for that is so they can have assurance and understanding of what Christ has done. That is his ultimate focus. And you can see this, uh, that's why he says that on verse 13 where he writes, I write these things to you who believes in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So basically, even if we already believe John wants his audience to know that they are assured, by they are assured of their eternal life. That means that you can have confidence in knowing that if you believe in Christ, truly, you have eternal life. Now, last week we saw that if what it is to have assurance in his love right remember last week that's what we spoke about we looked at what it is to have assurance in the fact that God loves you I mean that was the starting point of everything before time before anything God loved you and just because of that we have assurance of everything that he promised but that came first because he loved us We know that our lives as believers is being led by God who loves us. Throughout this letter, it is clear that the life of a believer is not lived based on our own emotions. And it is not based on our own will. It is not based on something we do. It is not like we do something in order for God to love us. We learned that. We saw that. It is because He loves us is why we can do what it is that He's called us to do. Now as we go into the end of this letter, John is going to point out how we find assurance because we are born again. And this is big. This is a very important one. This is, we love to talk about this. And I don't have a lot of context to share because of course this is the ending of the letter. If you want a context, you kind of have to go through the rest of the, you know, before this, at the end of the letter, context is you should have know already the context, especially since we've gone through all of them, right? This is not something new. So I do want to go straight to the point. Now I do recommend that not take this sermon alone, right? Don't don't say what I'm about to say and what we just read. Go, okay, this is it. There's nothing else in the Bible, just this. Now I recommend if you haven't been here or if you haven't had the chance, go ahead and read the other uh, verses. That way we can get a full picture of what's happening, right? but let's take a look specifically at being born again. And today I want to look at that. I want to look at the assurance that we have in our rebirth, which basically means in our being, in our state of being, born again, okay? And I can tell you for a fact, if it's one thing that we all have to take part of, every single one of us has to take part in, is being born again. Of course, If you want to be a true believer. If you don't. You don't need to take part in this. But if you are a true believer. Being born again is something that happens. That has to happen in your life. This is not an option. We don't choose whether we're going to be born again or not. Oh I'm a believer in Christ. But I chose not to be born. I like my state where it was before. It doesn't work like that. And I know this has come up a few times already. Through this letter. We're going to go into details about what John is referring to and how we can take a look at that and apply it to ourselves. To start, we have to remember that being born again is not an option. Again, we have to remember this. It is not an option. It's not something that we get to choose whether we're going to abide in Christ. If we're going to, we don't get to choose this. I'm going to abide in Christ. Should I choose to be born again or not? Let me see what are the benefits and what are the not the benefits? No, this is not. This process, this is a process that it is in us. This is a process that must be in us in the life of a believer. This process of being born again, this is that instant that happens in an instant that that supernatural uh, miracle that God does in us. And the reason for this is because we are all born in a sinful nature. That's why every single one of us here has never been taught to lie yet. As soon as we are ready to talk, we're ready to lie. I never taught Adam or Jocelyn how to lie, but they were pretty good liars by the time they were four. They were. They never hit each other. I did not hit him. Oh, it was his fault. It wasn't my fault. It was his fault. They're very good at lying. We're not born being perfect we're already born naturally knowing how to lie we will never have a desire to obey God we will reject God and who he is and that's the problem that we see a lot right that's that's why there's not many people in the church Many they're not believers is because we chose by our nature our, our na- natural state of being to reject who God is We will never seek God. Therefore, we will never really have a relationship with God. We will never have a desire to walk in the light. And we will never love our brother like John says we should. Therefore, never really abiding in God. We will never abide in God if it's just left up to our own nature. We may love God our brothers and we may love our sister we may love our families and friends and maybe some neighbors right but we're never going to do it in in the way that God's called us to do and this goes for every single one of us this goes for me this goes for all of you this goes for whoever's listening to this all of us every single one of us has to take part in this no matter where you're born. No matter how you're born. No matter what sin is it that you struggle with. Whatever it is. Even if you were born in the church. And lived your whole life in the church. We all have to come to Christ. And be born again. And this is what Jesus said to Nicodemus. When he was sitting with him. In John 3.3 3, he says. Jesus answered him. Truly truly I say to you. Unless one is born again. Again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, Jesus didn't say, unless a few of you guys that choose to, or maybe, you know, if you're not born in Christ or in the church and and you don't know Jesus from from birth, maybe if you're that person, you don't need to be born again or anything. No, he says, unless no one, you have to be, unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Again, it is not an option. It's a must. There's no exceptions. If you look at the, even even when you look at those best death conversions that we sometimes hear about, right? We I haven't really witnessed any myself. You know, I haven't been there to witness that. I have heard stories, but the only one I can witness by reading myself is the the thief on the cross, right? He had what I call a deathbed conversion, right? He 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 accepted Christ. He went to heaven right before he died. That's a bed death, that's a deathbed conversion. But even he had to have had a change of heart before he said yes, I believe you. Even he, at that moment, had to had a change of heart. Even if we didn't see the process through how his life of of what you're going to see later, right? We're going to talk about specific how the outcome of that, what it looks like, even though we didn't see that, that man in that cross had to have a change of heart. You know, and like I mentioned, there are going to be things that we're going to see in ourselves that allow us to determine whether we've been born again or not. And, you know, some of these things are noticeable right off the bat, right? There's certain things that change in our lives, that you can see right when that moment hits, right? Your desire for God is different. Uh, some of the things you do is different. The way you think about things are different. But then there's some that's going to take some time, okay? There's some that you're not going to witness right away of, of, of that change of heart. It's going to take a little bit of work. But we can see these changes that happen in us. When we see the signs, we can be sure that the change has happened. So that's what we look for. We look for the signs to say, okay, this is happening. So God has changed me. And because I see these changes in me, I see the way I do things, therefore I can have insurance that I've been born again. And we're going to see that it's just not any ordinary It's not anything you say, well, now I walk the old people, you know, across the street more often than I did before. You know, now I smile more than I used to. We're not talking about those kind of changes. We're going to see this. So I'm going to look at a few of them. There's about five that we're going to look at of the things that stand out when we are sure that we have been born again. The first one it starts right off verse 1. The first part of verse 1 We believe in Jesus Christ. And he says, everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ has been born again. So the first one is as straight as that. You believe that Jesus is Christ. And we have to understand a few things about the statement, right? Because there's one way of believing Christ and there's another way of believing Christ. And we've, we've talked about this before we've talked about this in many of our conversation we have to believe that Jesus is your Messiah it is not a Messiah okay there's a big difference between the Messiah and a Messiah it's the two different things there are many believers right many believe that Jesus is a Christ spirit type of Messiah, right? That means that Jesus, all he was, was just a messenger. He was just like every other claim to be. Every other religion claims to have their own Messiah or prophet. Jesus was just a prophet. Jesus was just a Messiah, right? Buddha was a Messiah type of Messiah. He he brought that right. Uh, Mohammed is a type of Messiah, right? They claim that Mohammed is a Messiah, right? But we never say that he's just a Messiah. We say that he is the Messiah. He is the only Christ. He's not among many other Christs. He is the only Christ that there is. We also have to understand we don't believe Jesus is the Messiah to then be born of God. right? This is not, okay, you know, let's believe in Christ. That way Christ then changes us. It changes our hearts because we first believed in him no it's the other way around and this is the assurance this is assurance at his best because the new birth will guarantee something that you will never be able to do if you don't have a change of heart this is, this is where the assurance comes in the fact that he changed your heart before you did anything so if God is perfect God is, does everything the right way. That means when he changes your hearts, he's not making a mistake. He's not saying, oh, I changed his heart, but later on, eh, I'm going to change it back. doesn't make mistake. That's assurance. And when your heart is changed, you will confess that Jesus is Lord. And again, when John says that he's, when he says that believing, when he makes that statement, believe, is more than just the intellectual belief because the demons believe what does the Bible say they do they tremble the demons believe let me tell you the devil himself knows the Bible better than us we can all sit here and, and get this and understand this 99.9% but he knows 100 he knows it better than all of us put together but you don't see him you know, with a change of heart you don't see him confessing that Jesus is Christ right but when you believe in the sense that John is talking about you don't tremble you rejoice because you have assurance in who God is and what he has done see we're not scared of who Christ is because he changed us he changed who we are We don't reject him because we understand who he is. So we live like that. We live without having to fear because we are sure that who he is and what he has done for us. And let me say something before, uh, let me say something that, that I think many forget. Because ultimately, as a church, we are powerless. None of us has any power or control of anything on our own. The power comes from who Christ is. It comes from the fact that he is a triune God. The fact that he, his deity is, makes him who he is, that's where our power comes. Because if, God is, if Jesus is not God and God is not who he is, again, having a change of heart means nothing. If God is not who he is, if God is not who he says he is, all oh, this is Nothing. means we don't believe in a big God or we don't believe in a Christ that's not true we don't believe in a good teacher we don't say oh Jesus is just a good teacher that's not what we believe in we believe in a specific historical proven and a real Jesus a Jesus that was real in person he was there he was real he lived and he made some claims and he proved those claims of coming back from the dead. I mean, if you want to disprove Jesus as being the Christ, all you gotta do is disprove that he didn't come back to life. That's all. Because then that means he's a liar. If he's a liar, he's not God, right? And because we are born of God, it will reveal our true belief then the next thing John points out is right there on verse 1 again. Second half of verse 1. We will love God and love those who belong to him. Where he says, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. There's a reason why John emphasizes through this whole letter the love we should have for our brothers and sisters. And That's straight as it can be because anyone who has been born again can be assured that they will love the Father and they will love the brothers and sisters. I mean, we can have a disagreement at some point where we can say, well, I haven't spoken to you in about a couple of days, right? But we never really truly stop loving our brothers and sisters if we have been born of God. We don't truly stop. Even if we argue, if we we disagree, our love for you It's still there. We just disagree, right? But what's great about this love is that it's not limited to our own denomination and it's not limited to our own group. This love that we have for our brothers and sisters goes beyond these walls. Every brother and sister that we have out there, wherever country, whatever skin color, whatever race, whatever you want to call it, We love every single one of those brothers and sisters. So you see, that's the love that we have for those. The love that's been put in us because of how much he loved us. And because we can love that way because we're born again. Then the next thing you see, yes, I went through those pretty quick because we kind of looked at those already. Uh... We're going to see one more right on verse 2. Okay, I have five. This is the third one. So if you're counting to see if I'm almost done, we're on a third one. Right? Verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments. So here's where things start to get a little bit sticky, right? Today we walked in and the floor was all sticky because there was beer outside. So this is where now it starts to kind of. You know, get us a little bit because the rest is okay. Yeah, I can. You know, but here, here's where it starts to get a little bit tricky, right? That we will love God, and we will obey His commandments. So, just as much as our love for the people of God reflects our love for God, so our love and obedience to God demonstrates of the love of the body of Christ, right? We have to have an obedience to God we are truly changed if we are truly born again we're going to obey his commandments this means if you have been changed you will be obedient i mean it may take some work okay it may take some fighting some spiritual fights because there's certain things that we don't want to be obedient to even then and it's going to take a little bit of fight in us But you will have a desire to do the commands of what God has commanded you to do. Even if you fight, even if you're in that battle, even if you're in that struggle. and I want to do what God asks me to do, but my flesh wants to do something completely different. Your desire to want to do what God is asking you to do, it's what matters course if you're saying i have this desire but you're constantly not doing you really don't have a desire remember your desires are the ones that drives your your options your your decisions your actions so if you really don't have a desire you're going to see it even if you can say oh yeah i have a desire If i don't we don't see it if you don't see it in yourself you don't have it and we'll have this desire because when you are changed it is a real change. It is a real change. You're not going to say, I want to do something and really not mean it. You're going to really want to follow his commands. And because you really love God, you will obey, but not out of something that you do to get something from God, is you're going to obey because of who God is. You're going to obey Because of what he did. That's what we obey. We don't obey because, okay, if I obey God and do what he says, that means he owes me something. So If he owes me something, that means uh, he's going to have to pay up sooner or later because God, right, he's going to pay up. No. Because the fact that he loves you so much and he changed you to want to love him, you're going to want to obey his commandments. like when you love someone and I, and I know all of us here love someone to a point that we do whatever we can for that person right whether it's a brother sister girlfriend boyfriend wife husband we all have and we will do anything for that person even if it's just out of butterflies in your stomach or you don't know any better right you're growing up you're a you think you're in love you're really not but you think you are you're still willing to do whatever You're still willing to do whatever for that person because you love them. It's the same thing. You want to please God because you love God so much, therefore you want to please Him. Right? God makes it clear that no one who says, I love God, yet walks in a lifestyle of consciousness, conscious of disobedience. Whoever walks in that life and says, I love God, It's like a believer who says, I walk in fellowship with God, yet he walks in darkness. He is a liar. He is a liar. Anyone who says, I love God, but does not want to obey God, is a liar. And I'm sure John was thinking about that moment that Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15. and I mean, this was very short, but very to the point. If you love me, if you love me, you say you love me, then you keep my commandments. And this week, Adam was like, I told Adam not to do something. He was like, Daddy, I love you. He didn't want to do it. It's like, Adam, you need to... No, but Daddy, I love you. Goes, Adam, if you love me like you say you love me, you're going to listen to what I'm telling you, right? Same thing. If you say, oh, God, I love you, then listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. It's very simple. Your love for God, and your love for the body of Christ's will this is not it may no it will. That's the assurance that it will happen. You will love those who he loves. You will obey his commandments. And then if we look at this, right? And and because of this, because we're going to want to obey his commandments. We look at the fourth point which is in uh, verse 3 where it says for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome so we will find his commandments not to be burdensome and I know this is big because I know this is tough a lot of things that Jesus a lot of instructions right a lot of things he says a lot of commands he says are hard They're hard to follow. They're hard to agree with. You know, and that was Jesus. If you really look at everything that God mentioned through all the scriptures, even whatever we just read the last couple of weeks of whatever John wrote in this letter, it's hard. But two commandments come into my mind when when I read something like this. And it's in Matthew 22:37-40, where it says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment." We all know that's super hard, almost impossible. And if I would say impossible, but then he says, and the second one is like, "Love your neighbor as yourself." Well, that's impossible. Right because we all got that one neighbor right that is like really hard to love he says all the law and all the prophets all sorry all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments so these are commandments these are the t- top two commandments so if you love God, you're gonna follow his commandments and then you say well god that that's pretty hard because man my neighbor keeps parking in my space and I'm so fed up with it right you're not gonna find that to be burdensome you're not gonna say I'm this is too hard for me I don't want to do this you know many many Christians feel very uh, they they feel very burdened by these commandments especially the second one because can you believe that my love for God is measured by my love for my neighbor. Can you believe that? You're saying, well, I love God and my whole, I'll give up my whole life for God. But you can't even give up your parking space for the neighbor. I'm not saying go ahead and give it to him. It's yours, right? You shouldn't take it without permission. But if you can't love your neighbor, you can't love God. And that is a lot. And there's also that pressure that comes when we read a letter like like we're reading and John says, If you say you love God but hate your brother, you're a liar. No one likes to be called a liar. So I can feel this pressure where we're saying, Man, I don't want to be known as that liar who constantly claims to love God but then look at what I'm doing and people are gonna think I'm a liar. It's a lot of pressure. and then we think about when Jesus commands us to take up our cross and when we're constantly being commanded to live contrary to how the world lives. I mean, this is what God is asking us to do. Picking up your cross and following Christ even if it causes your life. That's a burden. That's tough. It's easy to walk around like, you know, like it was a burden. It's easy to say, this is a burden, I'm not going to do it. Anyone can do that. But Do you know what John is saying? That because we are born again, we are given new hearts, and we will have a desire to please God, and therefore we won't find these commandments to be of burdens. We will not hate to have to love our brothers and sisters. We would not hate to have love our neighbors. We are not going to hate having to give up our lives and live his life. We're not going to hate that. We're not going to feel troubled by it. And if you're having a hard time seeing exactly why, I want to give you two reasons, just two reasons why they're not going to be burdened. First one is we don't find these commandments to be burdened because they are good and perfect. See, what God is asking of you, It's good, and it is perfect. You can see that in Romans chapter seven, verse twelve, where it says, "So the law is holy, and the commandments is holy and righteous and good." See, the commandments are holy and righteous and good. See, God's commandments are not for God to bind us and to make it difficult on us. He's his purpose is not, let me see how I can make this human's life more difficult than it already is. Let's give him a whole bunch of commandments and you watch him go crazy. Here you go. That's not what he's doing. He's not trying to tie you up and say, well, you need to be legalistic now and you need to follow my rules or you're going to hell. That's not his purpose. God knows exactly how each one of us functions course i mean he created us he knows exactly who we are he knows exactly how we work and he knows exactly what it would take for us to have complete satisfaction you notice how you always constantly when you live for the world and and based on the world's rules and 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 desires it's a constant struggle of having to find that feeling of of joy of of happiness of whatever it is We're constantly looking for something and searching for something and we're never finding it. But following his commandments, God knows that if we follow, we're going to find satisfaction. So when he gives us commandments to follow, it's because he knows exactly what it is that we need better than what we think we need. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Sometimes I surprise my wife because I know things about her that she didn't even knew I knew about her. Like I told you, I, I, I hang out in the back a lot. I know her sister better than I know her, than she knows her sister and her mom. did one on those tests and I knew, I was like, oh, I got them all right. You got them all wrong. What is going on? You know, but God knows everything, everything about you, everything better than you know it. wants to show us the best and the most fulfilling life possible and we're not talking and I'm not about to go into living your best life now that's not what we're talking about this is about living the life that he desires for us that he wants us to live and he wants us to be pleased in him so he tells us and gives us commands that are going to work so perfect Mm -hmm. That we're going to love him even more because of it. Second is that we don't find his commandments to be burning because he gives us the power to carry them out. And this is this is important because we sometimes think that we have to do this on our own, in our own will. We should we should go out there and love everyone because we should do it. We should it should be in here. I, I should want to love everyone. No gives us the power to do it i mean you look at everything that jesus said for us to follow I mean, everything is easier said than done you say well that's difficult that's tough right it is if you're doing it on your own it is imagine that that one commandment, right where where christ asks us to go to all nations and make disciples i mean there's nothing more difficult than that i could go around asking hey you do that and typical excuse, and, you know, I'm, I'm not very good at talking to people and, and you know, unless unless the conversation comes up you know, unless he asks me a question I, I don't know how to start a conversation it's always an excuse of how not to carry that out, right? But whatever it is whether it is to love your rude neighbor or to go and preach the gospel he gives us the power to do so it is not in our own will and in our own flesh to do it. He has to give us that power to do it. And of course, when he gives us this power to do it, we know that we have power in him to do it. We don't look at these commandments to be a burden. So we're like, great, now I've got to go talk to this guy. No, we don't feel that way because he knows, yes, He's going to give me the power to talk to this guy. I mean, these commandments are good and perfect. They're they're literally the solution to the world's problems. I mean, if you really think about it, if you really look at God's commandments, and you go through all hundreds of them, that there is, because the Bible, is, every page has them, right? If you look through them, if you really look at everything that Christ has said, that God has, has revealed in His Word, we can really see that it is exactly the solution to everything that's happening in this world. I mean, we live in a world in a time where, where people are in need and they're, and they're searching for something or someone or anything whatsoever that's going to feel that emptiness they have inside, right? We, we know this, especially during this time. That's, what we, that's the one thing I noticed the most about this whole pandemic thing. People are empty inside, and they're n- looking for something to fill in that emptiness they have in their soul people are having difficulties finding their purpose and and when somebody has this it gets to a point where somebody has so much difficulty finding their purpose what does it usually lead to taking their own lives suicide rate is levels levels higher than, than anything never seen suicide rates so high I know I sound like Trump when I say that, but I don't have statistics. I've i mean I've said it before. You can look it up in Google. Okay. Google it up. You can find the statistics. It's high. It's really high. People are looking for someone who, who can step in and take control. I mean, Trump is in the hospital. Everybody's freaking out. It's like, oh, uh, Trump is in the hospital. Everything's going to fall apart. We're looking for a leader, for someone to take control of everything. We all got problems. Every single one of us got problems. Guess what? We have the solution. We know someone who is is above everything, above every situation. We know someone who has a perfect plan, a perfect purpose. It's perfect. We know all things work perfectly and works everything out exactly how it should be and it's all going to work out good for those who He loves. We know that. We know that. We know of a person. We know of a God that's going to make everything exactly like He needs to be. We know of someone who can we can trust that's never going to let us down and, and, and when, when you know something like this just that alone gives me the confidence to know whatever he's asking of me it is good I know that for a fact That he, I trust him because of who he is that whatever he says for me to do I'm good I'll do it not be, maybe not be easy but I'm not going to do it uh, I can't believe I'm going to do this I will have a desire to want to do it, and I'm going to do it. But you must be born again. Because you will not find pleasure in doing His command. You will find it burdensome. You're going to hate everything that Jesus says. That's why everyone hates Christ. No one wants to do what he's asking us to do. <laughs> lastly, last point, you're going to see in verse 4, where it says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So, lastly, we will overcome the world with faith. If we are born again, we will overcome. And John tells us this this principle that is very simple, but yet powerful. It's so powerful. And this is one of the most assuring things, one of the most assuring words that I can ever hear. Because we all know that the world is going to try to break us. They're going to try to humiliate us. We know that. (laughs) Look at this guy. Believes in God he's never seen before. Look at this fool. You know this world's going to take away that freedom. For it to be so easy. To obey his commands. Because now God tells us we do. No problem. Everybody understands. Oh he's got a God. He's got to listen to him. This world wants to take that from us. Where our commands the commands he gives us is going to be hard for us to actually do you know we, we, we also live in a world and, and, and we live a life that's constantly in a spiritual battle right we're constantly battling something we have a constant rejection right even from our own family and friends who are constantly rejecting who we are because of what we believe oh, I don't want to don't invite the Christian over to my party. You know, the Bible is clear that we will have trials and tribulations. We will be persecuted. But John is telling us and assuring us that because who God is and what he's done in our lives, there is nothing in this world that will ever defeat us. There's nothing in this world that's going to defeat us matter what's happening if you are born of god you will overcome this world so how is it that we can be overcomers in jesus again it's not because of what we do or what we say but it really all comes down to who christ is and who we are in christ We overcome because we are born of God, and we see this by looking at what Jesus did. If you look at John sixteen thirteen, it says, "In the world you have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have come. I have overcome the world." So, because Jesus has overcome in the world, if we abide in Jesus, who has overcome the world, we overcome the world. do this by walking in Jesus first John if you go back first John chapter 2: 13 is I write to you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one you know as we walk with Jesus and grow in the walk as we get closer to Christ, as we walk more with Christ, we will overcome all these spiritual enemies that come at us, all those false prophets, those antichrists that will come to us. We will overcome those. And then we know this because the blood of Jesus overcomes Satan's accusations. So no matter what happens, if we have this. A special place in the world that is to come. No matter what happens, there is a special place that we will live in when all this is gone. So you think, well, you know, this person was battling that spiritual fight and he went to prison because he believed in Christ and he died, he got shot and killed. Because what he believed in. He got his head cut off. If you're living in, 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 in the other side of the world. Or your family. Everybody died. It got burned up in the church. How did they overcome? They all died. See, Our price is not here. We don't overcome by what we accomplish here. We overcome because where are we going to be in eternity? That's the accomplishment. That's how we're going to overcome this world. Because this world will pass. But he will not pass. look at Revelation 3.21 it says to him that overcome will I grant to sit with me in my throne even I also overcame and I'm set down with the father in his throne I mean what greatest assurance we have in the fact that we are born again because when you are born again there's not a mistake not going to be unborn and I know it may not sound like much but unless we remember why is it that we need to be born again to begin with this is not really going to mean much to us so I want to remind you in Ephesians Ephesians 2 verses 1 and 2 where it says and you have and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince and power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You were dead. You were dead in your trespasses. See the moment in Adam and Eve's sin. The moment they took that bite, that moment, everything changed. We all became spiritually dead. And that also brought in physical death. But we became spiritually dead. You know, death was brought into this world. And then all of a sudden, we're rebellious against God. we are all spiritually dead already you didn't become spiritually dead when you decided one day not to obey no from that moment we have all been spiritually dead all of us even before we were born we were already spiritually dead and there's no way that we can bring ourselves back to life but understand this. Because of his love and his sacrifice. He gave us a new life. He gives us a new birth. And he comes with a new heart. And we're going to see this new heart. That he gives us. And that heart's going to give us. The ability to believe. In the Christ. The true Christ. We'll have the ability to love God and love His people. We're going to have the ability to obey God. We're going to have the desire to please God. And we're going to ultimately overcome the world through faith. Hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, would like to connect or listen to our library of sermons, jump right over to our website at www.holycitychurch.us. Again, we want to thank you for listening. And remember, this podcast is not intended to replace your time at the church. So we hope you have a blessed week and talk to you again next week on Catch Up with Holy City Church.